Hello, friends. Kirk Anderson. Uh, who, who am I with? Mavs Moneyball. Um, yeah, I don't know. Watching this team is like getting, you know, whipped with a towel. It's no longer, it's not remotely fun. Um, it's a chore. Hurts. Kind of tired of it. Uh, the Mavericks just fell to the Timberwolves. Uh, 111 to 105 to start our Christmas week um, after having three plus days off against the Lakers and plenty of time to lick their wounds and figure out what the hell's wrong with them. Uh, the Mavericks came out and played, oh, I don't know, just the typical uninspired basketball horseshit we've grown used to seeing uh, with this team. Chris uh, Stapps Porzingis only played the first half. He missed the second half with a foot injury. Um, and the Mavericks simply weren't able to hang on against a Wolves team, which I think is really, you know, they're quite talented. They're also quite young. Uh, watching Carl Anthony Towns gave me extreme Luka Doncic, shut the fuck up, quit talking to the refs vibes, um, despite being just so incredibly offensively talented. Um, they won though. So I guess, you know, you know, obviously they probably don't care. (sighs) I don't know. We probably all just have some, some, I don't want to say like necessarily better things to do, but what these Mavericks are showing us and between that uh, interview uh, that Nico Harrison gave on the broadcast with Mark Folliwell, there's just, just like not a lot to say. Um, they're uninspired. They're, they're, you know, watching Jared Vanderbilt just beat the pants out of them to offensive rebounds, um, needing to rely on Dorian Finney-Smith to score a bunch of points. It's just, it's, it's very frustrating. Um, let's, uh, let's whip through some folks and maybe call it an early night. Brandon, what are you doing tonight, buddy? Hey, Kurt, can you hear me? I can. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't really even want to talk about this game. Um, I mean, it's just a game. Uh, I'd like to talk about those Carl Anthony Towns comments claiming that he's the greatest shooting big man ever. I mean, statistically, he's correct, and it was coming after he just beat Carl An- or um, Anthony Davis. So it's like me trying to be um, me trying to be the bigger person. This would be much more fun had the Mavericks won. But but go ahead. so here so here's the thing. From his, I don't. I'm not actually upset with him, because historically he is an elite shooting big man, and if you're top three or four all time at something in the NBA, you have to think that you're the best. So like from him, I don't care. It's all the Nimrods that they all just throw the three, specifically the three point shooting percentage. It's slightly better than Dirk's. He's 39 percent. Dirk was 38. Dirk wipes the fucking floor with him everywhere else. Free throw line, like plus four to five percent better. Mid range, like anywhere between like five to seven percent better. And then, of course, as you pointed out on Twitter too, uh, when games actually matter, you know how Towns has only ever gotten to one playoff series where he then proceeded to shit the bed. Uh, and Dirk, oh seven aside, always got better in the playoffs. Um, no, Carl Anthony Towns, you are not the greatest shooting big man ever. It's not even a statistical argument here. You are a slightly better three point shooter than Dirk on far less volume and far less meaningful scenarios and a far easier, you know, more spacious court to score on. Um, so I mean, it's not even close at this point. He has, I'll give him credit again. He has the talent. He's off to a relatively historic start. Somebody's eventually going to take that mantle from Dirk, which is kind of the special thing about Dirk being the first trailblazer. Other people are going to get the chance to top him on that. But right now, again, anybody who says that Cat is the best, not true. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. But I, um, he did, uh, you know, thoroughly pants Dwight Powell a few times tonight, so he's got that going for him. I don't know. Like, I, I, I always have liked Carl Anthony Towns. He, oh, he's he's, he's still just... such a young player, and it's like he was answering a specific question, so it's like somebody pointed out, it's like, oh, you're taking his thoughts out of context, and I'm just like, look, man, that's bait. Like, if you're 
Luke is really good at this, where it's like, oh, talk about blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, but we lost, so I'm not going to do that. And, like, Porzingis has a tendency to answer questions the way Towns did, where he's just like, look, I'm really fucking great. It's like, okay, cool, nice, congratulations. You've won 35% of your games. Go out of town. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I again, I like Cat, too, because he does fall into a somewhat similar mold to Dirk. Again, I like his game. It's just... And again, I'm not even upset with him. It's just all no. the people that agreed with him. Like, Dirk still has that mantle untouched yeah. at the moment. Well, that's where you know you and me are getting old, where it's like a fair amount of social media, like, probably didn't watch Dirk in his prime because Dirk played 21 years. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, there's you're, you're going off video clips and. You didn't see what, you know, the, the Dirk, whatever it was, game three against Oklahoma City in 2011, where he just destroys every single defender in front of him. It's like, it's just tough because very few people will ever experience that kind of sporting moment in their life with like a player that's that level of good. So it's like, oh, you're, it's really easy to compare counting stats. And like, this is going to be the problem with Dirk as he ages is people are going to be like, was he that good? And the answer is yes, the, he was that good. So. It's up to to Uh, the legacy. Yep, yep. All right, well, thanks for coming up tonight, buddy. Absolutely, thanks. Mm -hmm. Amar in the chat notes um, that, you know, the Mavericks just signed Theo Pinson. Um, I think the main reason they did not sign Carlick Jones has to be Jones' ankle injury. Um, That's that's pretty much the only reason I can think of because Theo Penson is another former Nick and I am tired of former Nicks is kind of where my brain is going at this point. Um, Let's bring on Jared. How are you doing, Jared? Welcome tonight. G'day. g'day. Good. It's got about an hour left to work. So yeah, I'm sure this game, this game really propelled you to the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) Just just an awful game. Yeah. I missed the last few minutes because I, was meant to be in a meeting I forgot about. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like we got Stockholm Syndrome watching this team, to be honest. Like, um, you kind of want to watch them, but you don't want to watch them and just need, I don't, I don't know. From the interview with um, Nico, didn't really film me with any sort of promise of making changes anytime soon. I wish he wouldn't have gone on. It's like they decided to put him on early. Or like they're looking at the schedule and like, oh, this is a good game that Nico Harrison can go talk. The Mavericks are going to play well and they're going to look good. And it's like, well, the Wolves are actually pretty good. And he didn't say anything because what could he possibly say on a television interview? And instead he just walked away giving me precisely like zero confidence because he's not like big and boisterous, which isn't fair to him. But it just is kind of like, uh, okay, we need more time with these guys. Like, no, no, we don't. We, we really don't. We've seen them. Thank you. Yeah, it was kind of a weird, weird statement. I mean, you don't want to sum up somebody. I mean, Reggie, Reggie Bullock's been in the league a while, so you don't want to sum him up in like 20 games, but he just doesn't seem to be gelling or, or what's going on. At least, at least I was saying, um, in one of the forums, you can, um, you can confidently tell a team you're trying to trade Bullock and, and, and Sterling Brown to that at least they're going to play better for your team than our team. Because so, they always seem to get traded somewhere else and they actually start playing like real NBA players. Right. Right. I mean, who knows? It's like this game was extra sort of sort of disappointing because I think we had seen, you know, two reasonable Josh Green kind of like building block, like bad Bad, you know, he's only going to get minutes if the match stink, realistically, or if they, like, desperately need him. And, like, for him to enter the health and safety protocols just stinks. And then for Perzingis to go down, it was just, like, it's just such a combination of, like, frustrating things to happen on one game. Was there any, has there been any reporting on Porzingis? I mean, he... So foot, yeah. What you want to hear from seven to three guy? It's <laughs> you know by the time any, anybody listens to this on a podcast, we'll probably know more. But as of now, so it's like eleven o'clock on eleven p.m. local time on um, Sunday night, and a sore foot. Josh Bo and I just talked about this. Like, there's simply nothing good about foot injuries, like and things like that. You kind of know what to deal with, but foot injury strikes me as poor because. 
with feet, there's there's often very little you can do other than wait. Um, because yeah. blood, blood circulation is a problem. It's your, yep. one of your extremities. It's, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. You get a lot of, a lot of, um, foot injuries in the, in terms of like the, uh, tendon on the bottom of the foot over in, in AFL, the football in Australia, because of the so much running that they do to get fit. And during the game, they get a lot of, um, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, they always get injured um, where they they got the tendon in the bottom of the foot and get it inflamed, and they just get pain whenever they run. So maybe yep. it's something to do. Uh, hopefully, it's that and, as opposed to some kind of bone issue like plantar fasciitis. Yeah, Jack Stevens yeah, notes in the chat. Like, and and I've had that as an old person, but it's a different kind of deal where it's just anything that that anything that 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 causes you discomfort as you plant and run means you're likely doing something different further up the kinetic chain in your body where it's like your ankle, knee, hip, all that stuff just opens you up to more issues, which is why Porzingis has always been such a challenge because, you know, you you don't want him playing if something's wrong because he's just shown to have these kind of physical difficulties if if, if things aren't really in. Yeah, so maybe it's a um, flow on from his previous injuries where he's um, adjusted something else to compensate for another niggling right. injury. So right. let's just move down there. Well, Only yeah. other thing I've got to say is, um, like, people complain about Luca whinging about calls and stuff, but, I mean, if they watched the Timberwolves recently, like, entire team spent the entire game complaining we, about every single call. What an excellent... It's getting firm. kind of embarrassing. For those who who didn't catch Jared, Jared pointed out that the the Timberwolves were whinging, which is not a word we use here in America near enough. And it's sufficient to say it is constant whining and complaining and griping. And Jared, you are one thousand. Yeah, it was. I don't know. I, I I got a vague recollection of um. Did they used to warn players about? Flopping after games. I'm trying to remember if that yes. was the local. Like basketball. you'll get a, you'll get League something after here. the game. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't seem to do that anymore. Like, I mean, surely Patrick Beverly gets warned after every single game he plays. Otherwise, it's just <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bizarre. He's pretty bad about that. But I mean, Cat did the same thing. Like that one that was a um, a flagrant on Dorian, which I understand why they called it a flagrant. Dorian missed the ball. Got him in the body. Yeah. Then Cat fell like he died. Yeah. And he rolled under the stanchion, and it's like, you know, he got pushed. It was dangerous. It was scary. It should be a flat. But it's like he acted like he hit the stanchion of the basket. So it's like that didn't. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I mean, those ones are kind of go either way. But when somebody like not, like barely touches somebody and they fly backwards, I think those are the ones that need to get. Um, some kind of penalty for if you're con- consistently doing it. Well, like, and he landed. Him. He also landed underneath Tim Hardaway Jr. Like if if you're gonna have like a call for that sort of thing, then call it consistently because like he landed then fell on top of Hardaway. Like there was no. It's like they called it a common foul. I didn't understand understand the point of the foul. Like if. Yeah. And then there was another play where he need Powell on the groin and then complained that he got fouled. It was kind of <laughs> yeah. it was getting, getting a bit ridiculous. But yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that and let somebody else come up. But um, yeah, just maybe if Luke is back for the Christmas game, we can look forward to something. Yep. Only got two more games until then. So thanks so much, Jared. Ducks in. See ya. Okay. Coming up next, we have a special guest, a friend of mine who went to the game, long-time friend, EJ. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Yeah, good, man. Like, uh, it was fun. And then <laughs> we get back from uh, halftime dessert, and, and KP is out. <laughs> How long did it take so you to no notice? Luca, no KP. Uh, you're How long did it take you to notice? Oh, it took us, like, a few minutes, like, it took us a little bit. We were kind of surprised. We were just like, oh, no KP, and I had to look on Twitter to confirm. 
that he was injured. Yeah, it's never good when he's not on the on the bench where it's just yeah. he was just gone. Like that that's not No, it wasn't. It was and so yeah, and <laughs> what's funny is that I was the only guy I it felt like I was the only guy I, that had like a KP shirt on. <laughs> Like everyone had a uh, Dirk. I saw a lot of Luca jerseys, and I saw even a lot of Boban jerseys. There was actually uh, some of his fellow countrymen, uh, you know, waving his flag there. And uh, no, no KP jerseys. I'm afraid I was. I felt like I was the only one. Well, you're doing the Lord's work up there in Minnesota going to the Mavs game in a Chris Tapps Porzingis jersey or jersey. That's that's quite the dedication to, to the bit. Who's- ah, I went with my dad, so it was a Christmas present to the both of us. And, you know, Target Center is really nice. And just it's too bad that, the you know, the uh, my dad asked me why, like, I wasn't too bummed out about the Mavs losing, and I'm just so used to them. And I... <laughs> <laughs> just kind of fumbling it away. And like they, they came out of the third. Like this is why this is kind of like why K, uh, KP's absence was, was sort of not noticed for the first few minutes of the third. Like the Mavs came out strong in the third uh, at the start. And then they fell apart and you're just like, Oh, there's no KP. <laughs> right. And, yeah, like I've been going to since uh, this season. I've been going to a few of the Wolves games, and I agree they. Uh, while we do have Luca, just you know, always complaining to the refs, I feel like a lot of this team, the Wolves, complain a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a younger so player, a, younger guy thing. It's it's really something. Yeah. That- and the thing is, like. You know, they haven't really earned anything to get credibility to complain. You know, there are a lot of young guys in the, for the Wolves. So it's, uh, you know, uh, watching them and cheering them on when the Mavs, uh, when they're not playing the Mavs, it's really frustrating to see a young core like that just kind of pout throughout the game when they're not getting their calls. So hopefully Luca breaks out of that. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath because where Luca goes, the team goes, right? I mean, that's been the theme for the last three years. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you for, for, for joining us. I'm sorry they couldn't give you a win when you're up there. That's yeah, all right. At least the arena experience was nice. And, uh, you know, it was a good time. It was, it was good to see, you know, uh, Powell and, even though they're on this like terrible stretch, it was it's good to see them still like have fun out there uh, in the pregame and still really push. Uh, a lot of I just feel like uh, John Brunson his his aggressiveness and you know taking the contact isn't rewarded with uh, a lot of his a lot of the contact against them has been had been ignored. That's a good like, insight because I, he doesn't do a lot of like jumping into the air. It's a lot mm-hmm. of like, like his layups are even kind of like, he's not even really jumping. He's just kind of getting all the way there and dishing it up. And then he gets like body check. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was pretty frustrating. Just seeing him get to the hoop and get knocked down uh, in the act of shooting and not getting any calls. Uh, I think he may have gotten one call. Oh, and I think I think they didn't call it in the act of shooting. They called it on the ground, so that was fairly frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. I uh, I appreciate you uh, you coming on. Yeah, man. Well, I'm just like the title. We're gonna just keep trudging through the muck. That's right. That's right. All right, man. We'll thanks. talk soon. You have a good night. Yeah. You- 
I am pretty. I, I'm pretty sure I've known EJ since I was 12. I am very old. So uh, <laughs> thanks for joining tonight. All right, coming up next, I want to bring on uh, Scott. Uh, Scott is a recently joined contributor to MavsMoneyBall.com. Those of you who are listening uh, to the podcast should already know this, but uh, if you haven't, please go check out our site. Scott wrote a uh, really, really lengthy, good article that all Mavs fans need to sink their teeth into. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, just got done watching the game. First, I'll talk about the game, then I'll talk about the article a little bit. But has it felt like a lower game in recent memory? I feel like watching this, I don't know if it was COVID protocols running rampant or no no Luca for a fourth trade game, but I felt like watching this that I was just – there was nothing at stake. No, um, no. It was, it was terrible because, like, there's nothing like watching a game with non-NBA fans – which was most of my wife's family, and they're like, why do you do this? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've i watched it. I've watched basketball with my in-laws as well. They're not as big sports fans either. Um, yeah, I just felt like, I mean, it was a little bit of a positive surprise that Tim Hardaway uh, Jr. and uh, DFS did pretty well, like uh, probably their best combination of a game together in a while. But that coming in a low-stakes environment – you know, I mean, it would have been nice for this to be what they did um, when Luca was around. Um, but, yeah, I thought overall tonight I wasn't too discouraged. Again, the stakes were just so low. Like, what what could we have really done? Uh, what could have happened in this game that would have made us happy? Beating them without, you know, Edwards. And uh, I'll say this. I always hate uh, Patrick Beverly. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Right, I understand that. You got hit in the face, and I was like, "Well, okay, you deserved it, buddy." Right, it's too bad that that happened to such a nice man. Oh man, I wish Luca had been there to be able to. You know, I'm sure he was like rejoicing that Luca wasn't coming. He's like, "Oh, good, I get to play." Um, <clears throat> yeah. So the article. Um, this is my first time being published, and you know, I just really appreciate Maz Moneyball letting me. I'm just trying to get a a simplified version of collective bargaining agreement frequently asked questions, which is basically what I do on Twitter. People ask questions a lot. They tag me and I try to go and, and answer any question that's sent to me. Um, like I say in the article, I'm glad to help. Uh, that's kind of my ethos. I just, I don't mind uh, helping people understand. I know there's a lot of people on Twitter that don't care to know the details. They just get on Twitter to fire off hot takes and I'm not trying to change anybody. So if, if somebody wants to be just on there, like, throwing flames, that's cool. But if, if somebody wants to know a little bit more, I kind of answer it in three different sections. Uh, you know, I kind of talk about, like, what are the Mavs able to do right now as far as signing new contracts, um, including extensions. And then I get into, like, what are trades? What are, what are the different parameters for trades? And what do we have that we can trade? And what can we get for different players as far as legally? And then I even highlight what the trade pl- traded player exception ex- uh, exception is that we got from the Josh Richardson trade and then who we could maybe our target with that. And then last, I kind of like went looking forward what the cap space looks like through 2025 for the current salaries that we have. And then just talked about like what that, why, why that's important now. Um, so I hope it's something that people can kind of get like a, maybe a wider view than what I get on Twitter can hopefully feel more confident uh, in thinking about like what are the actual options and that can maybe facilitate some good conversations from fans. Um, and, and, and I, I always, I've, I've always been so interested in the CBA because I mean, it's the rules in which you play by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's tough to kind of get into the weeds and this sort of stuff, but I think sometimes it's worth it. And that the Mavericks as an organization have done such a good job selling to the fan base that they know what they're doing for a period of years. And whether or not they know what they're doing is kind of besides the point because outside of Luca, they really haven't shown a firm grasp that they understand the ramifications of long-term CBA decisions which I bring that up to say when the Mavericks broke up the title team in 2011, Cuban specifically noted that he believed that he and his front office understood the CBA better than other teams. And with 10 years hindsight, I think we can safely say that that's simply not the case. And so understanding like, like what a team can do 
is really valuable because it's like, oh, well, why can't the Mavs go do this, 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 and this, you know? And the answer is, in no small part, which Scott sort of maps out, and then I think it's, it's good to have conversations about, like, the Mavs have done a pretty good job of boxing themselves into a particular line of, of, of the team that they have. Like, it, it, I don't mean to be, like, super dark and negative about it, but they're, limit, they're limited now, you know, they, they had flexibility and they didn't use it in a way that produced, I don't want to say they didn't use it wisely. I don't think that's fair. I think that they, they didn't use it in a way that hasn't panned out in, in a way that we would have liked. What do you think about that? Yeah, my, yeah, for sure the next season. I mean, without any new signing, without re-signing Brunson, without re-signing Powell, um, not Powell, hopefully not <laughs> when he comes to the free agent. <laughs> uh, without re-signing uh, D- uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. We have no cap space. I mean, they're almost, they're over 19 million over the cap already for next season, which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to sometimes be way over the cap. You know, the, the tax repeater rules don't happen if you, unless you've been like over the cap, over, uh, into the tax three out of five years. So it's not, it's not a big deal. Um, but what is a big deal is if you kind of run that out into the distance. Though, thankfully, my, my advice, Looking back at the what you just referenced, the 2011 offseason, they didn't re-sign um, Tyson. You know, he goes to the Knicks. And the reason that's so important is because they didn't want to re-sign over the cap or, or get into stay, stay a non-cap team because they thought cap space would be the way in which they could acquire another superstar to pair along with Dirk. What they, what they, what they undervalued was the idea that free agents are notoriously fickle. Like, you can't mm-hmm. predict – shouldn't hang your hat on, oh, I know what's going to happen here. Um, Darren Williams, Carmelo, whoever else, you know, Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, all these potential big free agents, and all we get was Chandler Parsons and, uh, you know, Harrison Barnes. And I, I think they they overestimated their draw with Dirk as an old Dirk. And yeah. now I actually think because next season we're already capped out, I would re-sign Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Brunson, because it doesn't matter. Your history's greatest monster. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I just think, like, if you lose them, you lose them and have nothing to replace them with. Um, I think the problem that uh, Seth Partnow put out last time we talked with him was just uh, – he, he, he said it a lot better than what I was trying to say, is that I think Mark Cuban, you know, it's like he wants to make decisions and moves that are 100% wins – and I think what we've seen is that even when it looks like a 100% win, you might still lose. So why not take a little bit of more risk and uh, and make a move that doesn't necessarily look like a 100% win? Sure. Um, so I, I think their riskiness has been low, and I think that's really bitten them. Because I love the Reggie Bullock signing. Just to be honest, like I thought it was great. A point of sure. attack defender who can hit too. threes on a high volume. It just is absolutely sucked. And then Josh Richardson is shooting 40% on threes. Like, what the heck? Like, how is this always happening? The only people who have shot well in our system year after year are the people who can move off of, like, take threes off of movement. Like, Doug McDermott came in and hit, what, 56% in that short stint. Seth Curry, he can get his shot off really easily. Like, we we don't do well with those shooting guards and small forwards who have slow shots and can't shoot off movement. So I think Reggie Bullock was a prime candidate to do well and he didn't. So anyway, hasn't so far, but I, yeah, yeah, no, this is good. Everybody should, everybody should check it out. We're going to kind of make it a reference point. Um, something we update, something we talk about because it's, you know, I will say that I have for years been very frustrated with a lot of the discussion about what the Mavs can and can't do. Um, and this, I don't know if this will help, but I think that like, like nobody, you know, nobody roots on a team, like very, I will say very few people root on a team while also checking a spreadsheet, but understanding like what a team can and can't do can be really helpful for those of us who spend this much time following a team. Yeah. My philosophy has always been, if you know the options, then you can make like, you can have a great conversation. You know, it's when people say, like like Rashawn Holmes, people were like, oh, I love Rashawn Holmes, I want him. They signed him to a contract that we couldn't really get, and they couldn't tr- sign and trade him to us because of, 
came only having early bird rights anyway. So it was just not going to work out unless we could sign him outright, which would have mean we would have to have lost Sam Hardaway Jr., which at this point seems like maybe not a, as bad a trade-off as it was at the time. So just knowing that like one domino hits another domino and then it, looking backwards and saying, oh, we should have done this. It's like, well, I mean, we have to be able to figure out like what would have what else would that would have affected? And sometimes I think people make this, oh, we should have signed DeRozan and Caruso, and we should have gotten Rashawn Holmes. And I've seen sites say, like, oh, what about this lineup for next year? And I'm like, that yeah. absolutely could not happen. Like, there's well, no way possible for that to happen. Well, okay, give me this, because you and Xavier often take this tack. I, I do think it is at least fair to say that the Mavericks have shown very little creativity with how the current collective bargaining agreement works in relation yep. to their to their stru- like their contracts and structures, is that fair? Oh, I uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, they made a huge mistake with Brunson's contract. Now, somebody else has argued with me. I can't remember who it is right now that that his agent wanted that intentionally so that he would be an unrestricted free agent after four years. But I just didn't think that that was. I mean, they, oh yeah, that was uh, that was they Jack gave Porzingis five full years for no real reason. Like they could have insured his contract the way that that Joel Embiid's is, is insured. For like to get Joel his money and protects the Sixers, and the Mavericks just didn't do that. I mean, the first interesting thing they've done with the cap in several years is sign Tim Hardaway Jr. to a declining deal. Yeah, that was the one of the best teams has been the Rockets. They like last year when they uh, traded PJ Tucker and then got back like they swapped the one that they had gotten from Indiana uh, to like delay it for a year and then they did swap rights. Um, I don't know if anybody understands what I'm saying, but let me give you an example. So this year, the Mavericks pick is going to be in the mid, you know, first round. Now, what they can't trade this first year, this this uh, this pick. But what they could do is give swap rights to a team that could give us a good player that like, let's say Oklahoma City or whoever has a good team's draft pick. But uh, they have like a player to offload. And so they trade swap rights with us. So we still get a first, but it'll be lower. And then we get a good player anyway. That's that's kind of the thing that they did last year with PJ Tucker. They traded PJ Tucker and then get, got swap rights. Um, gave up. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think that kind of creativity is something that they need to have more of. And I I don't know if Nico is that familiar with everything, but we got that um, CBA guy from Brooklyn, so maybe that'll help. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Well, thanks for joining us, Scott. Everybody check out Scott's article tomorrow, or if you are listening to this mid-afternoon, Monday evening, please or, uh, please check it out as well. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Appreciate it. Love being on here. Bye. Talk soon. All right. Ryan, thanks for joining us, Ryan. What's going on tonight? Hit that unmute button there at the bottom of the screen once you click back in. It's right next to the... Uh... Oh, wait. Hello? Hello. Hey, Kirk. How's it going? It's good. Thanks for... Yeah, sorry to be uh, joining you on these these certain conditions, but uh, I was kind of wondering how you view the Mavs situation and whether you think the uh, shooting percentages are going to turn around here shortly, or do you think we need to just blow it up and make Good question. I don't think the shooting percentages are going to change. Really? Uh, Josh, no, no, I really, really don't. Uh, Josh and I just talked about this. Like, there's a lot of, of, of more advanced data that talks about how all the Mavericks are just shooting hard shots. Like, I think there is a way for them to swing back around in some sort of positive fashion. But I think what all of us are kind of expecting is that at some point the Mavericks are just going to play, like, 15 straight games where they shoot, like, 44% from three-point line. Like, that ain't happening. Just not happening. I would love it if it happens. Please, someone record this. Play it back in my face if it does. Um, I do think Luka coming back will help. I do think they're going to kind of stick around the 7 through 10 range. So, you know, I don't think they're going to blow it up because that just won't happen unless Luka can't get healthy. But but it's, it's ugly. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Like, like games like the Lakers game, for instance, like I feel like they were getting such good looks and they were just going in and out. And that I feel like that's just had happened a lot where they're just getting looks, but everything just seems to rattle in and out of the basket. It's Well, so one of the fun parts about tonight's game was Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith had a number of dunks. I think the Mavericks offense, uh, the, the, the things that they're doing, the driving kick opportunities, 
are and they're not even really that good at drives is is kind of the forefront of the problem but so much of what the Mavericks offense is doing is predicated like guys are already there so Dorian was getting like these cool backdoor cuts where he was like on the baseline and dunking the ball because his defender was overplaying and expecting the ball to be in the corner um and and that was happening a lot like Tim Hardaway Jr. takes a lot of contested shots like I do know what you mean about the Lakers game but overarchingly the Mavericks are just taking kind of exceedingly difficult shots paired with hitting them at poor rates and it's just I do think it'll swing back in a positive direction I just don't think it'll be enough I got you yeah that makes sense all right well that's all I got man I'll let you get to somebody else thanks so much Ryan appreciate you joining yeah thanks Okay, coming up next, we have Brandon. Hi, Brandon. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, Kirk. How are you? Good. Um, see, I wish we could bring CBA back, or maybe I can just drop some of this. I think that we're, we've all been looking at trades differently, and what he posts is always super, super informative. But we keep looking at trades on who can we trade now to get better this year, and I think that I'd love to do that since the West is so messed up this year. And I think, you know, and Luca in the playoffs is, is a different game, right? He can one man a team, you know, through, even if I mean, game six Kawhi is the only reason maybe. So getting to the playoffs, I get the whole idea of just get there. I don't think that if we're seven or eight, though, it's going to cut it. If we keep talking about trades, maybe we should be thinking about trades in a long-term plan. I mean, Luca's still 22, right? We've got a few, you know, a few years winning this year. Our talent is just not there, and you don't improve. You're not going to win these these trades, I don't think, right? We're not going to trade, you know, Brunson and Powell and Hardaway or something, or you know, these Josh Green, Powell and Dorian for like a true upgrade, right? And those guys all have good depth and role play. We, we always just talk about how they just there's the talent issue isn't that we don't have depth, it's that we don't have. We're asking people to play maybe one or two levels higher than they should be. We mm-hmm. need it, you know, and you can't, we're not, we're not going to get better with a couple of slightly better role players, right? Like if Reggie Bullock hits his shots or something, or I go trading for like, you know, Robert Covington or something. I don't think that makes a, a miserable difference. We need to get a true number two. Well, I just don't know if that's points a game. I just don't know if that's going to happen with the way this, this thing is. No, I don't think you can. And so instead of, but if we know that's the answer, instead of thinking about how do we solve it now, I think we should be thinking about what, like, I want to know what the trade options we have at, for, for not like direct mm. but clearing cap space, lateral, like, yeah, second round picks. Mm-hmm. Lateral you know, just, stuff is going to be kind of, is, 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 I bet the order right. of the day. To collect some more assets so that we can, in a year or two, be able to turn that into something real, right? And develop. Yeah, like not, yeah, not trying to win the day or hit home runs. Like, give me a bunch of second round picks that I can eventually flip with a first to move up or something. You know, just things that we can use instead of instead of sort of under or you know undervalued players with five million dollar contracts. Oh, <sighs> that's you know, I, I I sort of think that the Mavericks held on to a number of players who were considered more positive assets about a season plus longer than they needed to. I mean, last year was such a grind. I get it. It's it, I I still get to this day why the Mavericks wanted to recommit to trying to find what they had in parts of 2019, 2020. It's just nothing makes me more grumpy than you know, and and our, our owners spent a better part of last week like sending direct messages to fans basically saying, Oh, we just need to give them more time. It's like, we really don't need to give this core group more time. I was thinking about this while walking the dog today, just cause like, like, you know, the way a lot of the news is these days, so much of like the COVID stuff, like just depending on what, how you're living your life can make you feel like really fucking despondent. And the Mavericks have the same damn roster from before COVID was a thing. Like <laughs> And it's like when I frame it like that, I'm just like, that was such a long time ago. Like, can't we just do something different? Yeah. And I think the answer will be yes. I just don't know when and I don't know what. And it's 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 very tiring. It's tough to figure out who to target too, right? Because what we need is somebody who can create their own shot at about 18 to 22 points per game who has a little bit of ball handling chops or playmaking chops, right? And isn't a negative on defense, 
and can stay in front of people. Like if Tim Hardaway was a better defender type player, right? Yeah. And there's not that many of those guys, right? So like we, you well, know, the, we'll, the, we, hopefully target? we don't convince ourselves into the Josh Richardsons or whatever we call who who is saying well, that the that's where the who to dark target arts. thing, the who to target thing becomes so fascinating to me because it's a it's a question of understanding your bargaining strength. And right. if I know Mark Cuban, which is to say I don't, but if I if I have a pretty good grasp on who the Mavericks think they are versus who they actually are. I don't know what it will take for them to get into the position to understand that like they simply aren't quite as good as they think they are. Um, yep. and, and that just becomes a challenge as, as, as the years go by because there's no bargaining from strength right now. And, right. you know, a lot of, a lot of positions like Lauren Gunn who writes for us, like she, she's often talked to us like, Oh, well, we just need to give up another first round pick, like with some of the deals that she really is high on. And I'm just, I don't think the Mavericks can afford to do that because if they give up another first round pick, they're not going to have anything for that. They're like, you know, they need to do what, what the Bucks did with Giannis, which was hold on to those picks to be able to make an, Oh shit. Right. This is what we need to do trade in two years. Get a Drew Holiday. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'll part with this question um you know you can no matter what side of the fence you are as far as like kp right i think everybody he's actually having a pretty decent year um and not you know not quite as efficient but i think he does some things that'll be better in the playoffs and his defense looks way better um so you know in the perfect world you add a third player and keep kp and luca but my question is is having a guy like kp where your def- def- defense depends heavily on him um, in the playoffs, especially, but ultimately to get to the playoffs, you've got to spend 40 or 50 games out of the year running suboptimal two big lineups to protect him mm. at that point. Right. And I, I'm not, you know, KP worth his money or not. is sort of irrelevant. Are we sure that that's not, that's a player that we want to be a core part of our long-term plans, a player that you have to spend a large time protecting Right. Injury history aside, right. Just keeping yourself fit. And that is a very particular weird matchup um, that works in certain, you know, is this, he feels very specialist, I guess. Is that something that you want to build your core around or, or we would be better off getting a, you know, a rotation of strong defense like Kim Birch or, you know, Daniel Gafford types, right. Who can play some decent, decent defense and just rim roll. And then focus our, you know, assets in the future on that wing creator player and not worry I mean, about bigs. I, I'm big into this because the Mavericks have been dealing like a team that's much better than they actually are for two years. Where just because you have a game like like a game breaker in Luca, you still run in, you know, you're basically betting against running into a buzzsaw like the Clippers. Like I, I sort of understand that bet in a big picture sense, because if the Mavericks had made it to the second round, a lot of what we're talking about would be moved at this point. But the fact of the matter is they didn't do it either here. So we're still left with where we are. And the Mavericks at some point have to stop wishing for something that isn't so. And, and, you know, I don't know if that'll happen. Like, like the, the schedule is rough. Like we, we could be heading into 2022 under 500 and people are going to be pissed. Yep, yep, I think so. It's going to be interesting. Well, thanks for joining us tonight, Brandon. Appreciate the conversation. Yep, have a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay, Greg. How you doing, Greg? Greg, how are you? So I was had the luxury of being stuck with the Timberwolves broadcast tonight, and they think that you know that Carl Anthony Towns, Jordan Finney-Smith, hard foul, you know? They thought it was bloody murder. <laughs> it, just, it wasn't. Like, there was yeah. no, like, it was it was a, it was a flagrant. Um, but it was, you know, it was just fine. Like, he, he, he missed on the ball, which for anybody who's watched Dorian Finney-Smith over the years has watched that man miss lots of things. Um, but, it, you know, it, the push wasn't that bad. And then he, like, rolled into the stanchion and, like, was like, oh, no, I got to sell this. Like, if he just popped up, he would have. Yeah, I saw that, and it was just, like, great. I'm, I mean, I've been stuck with them for years. I 
I've only gone to two Mavs games and both have them in that target center, but I didn't go this year. I went 2011 and there was a foot of snow on the ground in March when I went. That was fun. And 2019, do you remember that game, Kirk? It was the game when Berea tore his Achilles and Luca made that late three in that surge. I more remember Achilles Berea than I do anything else, but, but go, you were at that. Yeah, I was at that game, and I'll tell you, I was. I took my dad to that game. I was the only Mavs fan in that section. Like they <laughs> were, they hated me. Like they were trying to talk trash to Dirk. It was his final time at Target Center. They just like I had things thrown towards me and stuff like that in that game. They just hated the idea that I was there. And that Dirk airballed one of his threes, and they go, "Well, he." Never was good to be in the first place, and I legit shouted at my section and got all after him. It was kind of, <laughs> and that was just, and it was so, so it made for an interesting time. And like when Beret tore his Achilles in that game, all that my whole section was like that serves his right for leaving us, and I was like, oh, that's a weird thing. <laughs> like they hated him when he was a wolf because he just like, like yeah. he wasn't the same. They're they're. Their broadcast, I rewatched that broadcast later when I got home, a, a day later when they were calling that, they were just saying, oh, he just slipped and fell on that drive. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> slipped and falling on a Achilles drive. I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. But the reason I'm talking to you, Kirk, is I feel like I jinxed him with my first ever time talking about the Mavs with you because we're talking about <laughs> things. Things weren't terrible at the time. I mean, they were three above 500 when I first talked to you, and now it's just like, well, there are, there are other coaches that are struggling too. It's like all the rookie, all the coaches that are new places are still struggling. I don't know. It's so hard. I'm just if the Mavericks, if, you know, they they've played so poorly for almost a month. Actually, it's more than a month, and that yeah. makes everything else so hard to deal. with. Yeah, I, I it's just like and then I have a question. What what's Jared Dudley's role exactly as an assistant coach? Because when I was watching that game on the ESPN broadcast, they were talking about how he has a huge role, but I don't know what his role is exactly compared uh, to the other assistants. I don't have a good I don't, role. Or, I mean I don't know enough about the coaches to speak on it. I will simply say that I have not found any of the coaching this year to be of Significant. Yeah, I, the, the ESPN, like, I was watching that game in a windstorm. It was 70 miles per hour in my place. I was like, I don't know what's cooler, the Mavs shooting or the weather outside. <laughs> yeah, the, the ESPN stuff, sometimes those dudes just say things. There's yeah. There's really no other way around. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks, you. Greg. Hope you yes, come back. Thank you. Yes, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, what's up last? Mr. Dang, what's happening? Hey, Kirk. Uh, this is another frustrating loss. I didn't get to watch the whole game, but uh, I got into the middle of the fourth quarter and uh, I saw your podcast, so I thought I'd jump in. And, of course, the fans uh, told me that they'd lost. I was pretty painful to watch the recording. Yeah. I'll probably done that before. Just for the hell of it, because I like pain. I mean, the fourth quarter wasn't too terrible. It's just they had, you know, it, it became a it became a game where at the end of it, they just got out talented. Jason Kidd once again was proven to be kind of an emperor without any clothes. He had blown his challenge in the second quarter, and they needed it in the fourth, but they couldn't use it because uh, they didn't have one. Um, but again, it's 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 just. You know, a couple of shots fall differently. A couple of things go differently for the Mavericks. I don't know. I just felt like the Wolves kind of out-talented them as the game wore on. Yeah. Well, you know, no matter what hypotheses we have or every scenario we could think of, the first things that got to go is Cuban. I mean, if we could trade our owner for another owner, I would be doing it because this is just ridiculous. You know, he's so delusional. It's, it's insane. It doesn't matter what we do as long as Cubans in power. 
You know, I'm ready for an overthrow. Yeah, I know. I love how, and I, I'm just as guilty of this as anybody. Like, we talk about him like a despot. <laughs> he is, you know. He, he's so delusional. He's like a dictator who surrounds himself with other, you know, yes men. That, that's all it is. No one has the cojones to really tell him within his inner circle that, hey, you're not doing a good job. You need to stop being the general manager. Now, they're so far down this path now. And, you know, what's what's going to happen in the next several days? And I really, really hope this isn't the case for the Mavericks. But judging on just kind of how the current COVID spread has occurred, I wouldn't be shocked if by, you know, Christmas time, like half the team is, is not playing due to restrictions. They're going to point to this stretch. And, you know, you if you heard um, – Nico Harrison talking about, oh, we're just, we haven't been healthy. And it's like, that's just not entirely accurate. You've just also not been very good. And, you know, Luca and KP have maybe played, I want to say the numbers up, like they played something like 105 out of 180 something possible games together. Um, and this is, you know, this is who they are. And, it's not good enough, and I just want something different. I want new dudes to talk about. Like Josh Bow and I struggle through almost every podcast. We struggle, like our staff sometimes struggles to know what to write about because it's just they lose the same way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just tiring. It's beating the same horse every day, you know, and trying to find solutions within the same roster, and that's virtually impossible. Yep. You know. It, it doesn't make any sense. You know, the best what we can hope for is that they organically tank, get a really extremely high lotto pick, and get lucky again. We need lightning to strike twice and get a top two or three pick. Well, and, and, as a longtime Mavs fan, you will know that lightning is actually never struck um, for the Mavericks. Yeah. I know. That makes it, to me, hopefully somewhat a little more due, to be quite honest with you, but that's not the way the numbers work. The probability of ping pong balls is always the same. That's right. It's the same concept. That's actually a good comp for the three-point shooting, too, where people are like, oh, it's going to swing back around. I'm like, I don't know if it's going <laughs> to. That's so true, you know. And it's just like Nico Harrison. I just cringed at such a big pom-pom, you know, guy he was. And the brown nosing was just incredible. The excuses were proactively happening. You know, in front of me, I'm like, you're already copping excuses, and we're not even full, through the full season. You're making excuses already. Be accountable, yeah. man. You know, but the best thing I could hope for is we play a lot of close games. We increase the tradability of our role players. Uh, KP, which who has no trade value whatsoever, we're stuck with KP until his contract's over. Mm-hmm. So, the best we could do is hope we, we play really close games, but tank organically. That's what I'm hoping. We'll see. I mean, I hope they win some more ball games because, frankly, the team's more fun to cover when they win. But thus far, they've just not shown over the last month or so that they're capable of winning very much, Luke or no. Well, thanks for your time, Kirk. And I appreciate these group therapies a whole lot, you know. Sure thing, buddy. Sure thing. All right. Um all right, so schedule the next several days. Uh, they basically play, so it's they play Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday night. Saturday's Christmas here in the United States. Uh, I want to say they play the Utah game. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I will be doing these after every game. I'm currently on my in-laws, which means these people keep looking at me like, why are, why are you doing this? Um, so we'll see. I intend to do a certain thing, but, you know, like, the Mavs intended to be good at basketball this year, and how's that turned out for them? So we'll see. I apologize if I'm not able to do these, but we'll we'll uh, you know we'll carry on. This has been Kirk Henderson, Mavs Moneyball. This has been group therapy, and we will talk to you guys a little later in the week. Have a good day, guys.